We would also like to welcome our internet audience to this service. We have been broadcasting now for a number of years, and it's always a pleasure and a challenge to realize that you're preaching to more people than you're looking at. And God in heaven only knows those who are watching the program today, and we thank the Lord for the opportunity we have to do that. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the epistle First John. I say that just about every time I stand to preach, and I've said it so much that I've memorized it. Turn in your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles. Why is that so? Because, my dear friends, all and everything else is but sinking sand. David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Ah, we've got a lot of ungodly counsel going on in our world today. 1 John chapter number 5, verses 1 through 5. Notice the word, the word of God as we read it. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Now, note that statement. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Please notice he is not born of God because he believes. But he believes because he's been born of God. The new birth always precedes believing. You cannot repent without the new birth. You cannot exercise faith without the new birth. You cannot believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor can you accept the Bible as the word of God without being born again of the Holy Spirit. And then the process begins with that foundation stone of regeneration. And it isn't long before you're beginning to be converted to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Chosen for a text, verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I would like to speak God willing, on the subject of overcoming the obstacles of life. Overcoming the obstacles of life. Now this is a very important sermon. 
because all of us know what obstacles are. But how to conquer those obstacles, sometimes we balk and we begin to bog down. Either you will overcome the obstacles of life or the obstacles of life will overcome you. The first epistle of John, I believe, to my opinion, is one of the sweetest epistles in the New Testament. In chapter number 1 and in verse number 3, John speaks of the believer's fellowship. In John 1, that's 1 John 1 verse 3, speaks of the believer's fellowship. That which we've seen and heard... Declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In chapter number 2, verse number 1, he speaks of the believer's advocate. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. It is the Greek word parakletos. We have a comforter. We have an attorney. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we do things we ought not to do, don't despair. Be sorry for it, but don't despair because we have an advocate with the Father. In chapter 3, he speaks of the believer's hope. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Should be the goal of every Christian to one day be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter number 4, verse 21, he speaks of the believer's responsibility. Chapter 4, verse number 21. This commandment have we from him that he who loveth God... Watch it. Love his brother also. You cannot divorce loving your brother from loving God. When you love God, you love your brother also. And then in chapter 5, he speaks of the believer's warfare. In verses 4 and 5 again, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Mr. Spurgeon says there is a sound of battle in chapter number 5. There is a sound of battle. There's a sound of warfare. To overcome means to subdue and to win the victory. And notice in verses 4 and 5, it is spoken of three times. Overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. He that overcometh the world, who is he but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Everybody loves to win. Everybody loves to win. Nobody loves to lose. A winning boxer, a pugilist, was suggested by one of the fights promoters to throw a fight. 
It was a fight that he knew without a doubt he could win. But he was promised a certain amount of money if he would throw the fight. He did throw the fight. And he did lose. He did it for the money. But he never forgave himself for that loss. He wanted to win too much. Someone has said that winning a contest is not important, but it's how you played the game. That's a bunch of rot. I don't buy that. It's important to win. And I want to win every time. The Apostle Paul wanted to go out as a winner. And not a loser. And he said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He didn't say, Lord, I stopped going to church because I found out the people didn't like me too well. And he didn't say, now, Lord, there were certain things that you know I was having a hard time with in life. It takes a long time to break with sin. And Lord, you understand. No, he said, I fought. A good fight. I finished my course and have kept the faith. Now the scripture, the Bible, has much to say about the importance of overcoming. I suggest you write the reference down while I tell you what the reference is saying. In the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, To him that overcometh, Will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God? In that same second of Revelation, verse 17, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. In that same second chapter, in Revelation, verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end... Him will I give power over the nations. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And in Revelation chapter 21 verse number 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. And to all seven churches in Revelation it is written. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I believe there seems to be a shortage today of overcoming Christians. Overcoming Christians. There are many today who profess to know the Lord, but they live defeated lives. They're not happy. They seemingly want everybody else to be as miserable as they are. They're always depressed. They're always defeated. 
and they're always downhearted. This is not to say we're to always go around laughing and giggling. But the general direction of our lives as God's people ought to be positive. It ought to be optimistic. And it ought to be victorious. Number one. Life is filled with obstacles. Yeah. I don't need to remind you of that. If you have any sense at all, you know that life is filled with obstacles. Mr. Webster defines obstacles this way. Anything that stands in the way of progress. Anything that's good. Anything that's wholesome. Anything that's right. Anything that is progressive and making progress An obstacle is that thing which stands in my way and it stands in your way. The Christian path is not a super four-lane highway, but rather a narrow road filled with many obstacles. And the rest of that verse in Matthew says, And few there be that find it. Bob Jones was famous for a lot of things he said. This is one of his most famous quotes. The door to success swings on the hinges of opposition. And folks, that's just as true as it can be. Anytime you start to do something that's right and that's good and purposeful, there'll be any number of things that loom up in your way as obstacles to keep you from doing what you ought to do. And to keep me from doing what I ought to do. Salvation is not always an enjoyment cruise. Most of the time it's an endurance course. No wonder Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Anybody can quit. But soldiers keep fighting. Soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is for me. And quite frankly, I'm a little selfish because I'm using this time to preach to me. Okay? If you can get anything out of it, praise God for it. But let me ask you a few questions. How do you meet with disappointment and depression? You say, well, I've never been disappointed and I've never been depressed. That's because you lie all the time. What happens when you run into a roadblock? How do you handle the hard times of life? Do we have a tendency sometimes to back off and quit and go a different direction? Do we just lay down and give up? Or do we adjust and keep on going? Persevering. Not quitting. There are at least... Three sources of obstacles. I want to call to your attention. Number one, there are the obstacles of nature. The obstacles of nature. People are often born with physical or mental handicaps which must be overcome if they are to succeed. 
These obstacles might include one being born blind or one being born crippled. And they have to go through their life in blindness or being crippled. But they're not to quit. They continue on. They overcome the obstacle. That person will either overcome his blindness or his blindness will overcome him. There was a gentleman at Mars Hill College in Asheville, just out of Asheville, North Carolina, where Nora and I went to school. One of the schools we went to. We're still in school today. Different kind of school. His name was Walter. And Walter had a speech impediment so badly, you couldn't even understand what he would say. It would take him forever. I pastored a church one time, and a gentleman, he meant well. He was a Sunday school superintendent, and he was announcing the text. He said, it's in the book of Deuteronomy. Walter at Mars Hill, he was almost that bad with stuttering. And I said, how you handle that? He said, well, God called me to preach. And he said, it's stuttering. I said, would you say that again? I didn't get it the first time. He said, God called me to preach. And you know, I noticed that any time Walter got up to preach, the stuttering left. He never missed a word. His voice was clear. His words were articulate. He could have quit. He could have said, God... As Moses said, you better call on somebody else. I don't really know how to talk. There was another Walter. I pastored this man over at McMurray Drive here in Tyler back in the 60s. He was mentally challenged. A severe case of it. And yet... He had a heart that wanted to share the gospel. And he didn't know how to do it. And I gave him some tracks. And he said, which track do I give? And I said, do you know the colors? Do you know what red is? He said, yes. Do you know about the color green? Yeah, I I, I know about the color green. And I took the, the, the tracks that were for evangelistic purposes in declaring the gospel... And I marked them with red. And then I gave him some tracks that encouraged God's people to be faithful to the Lord's church. I said, now you mark these with green. And that's how he did his evangelism. He'd walk up to somebody and talk to them. And if they didn't know the Lord or had never come to, to know Christ as Savior, he'd look for that red track. He'd give them the red one. Or he could have said... Lord, I'm just too ignorant. I can't do anything. Obstacles of nature. There are obstacles of circumstance. These are things we have no control over. These things just happen and will take us under if we do not overcome them. This would include things such as a prolonged Illness, the death of a loved one, 
the burning down of one's home. Sometimes people never recover from things like this. The obstacle is too big. It's too great. It would include things like hurricanes and tornado victims of maybe tearing one's home completely to pieces or burning it to the ground. I cannot imagine what a catastrophic thing that would be like. Losing everything, going up in smoke. But you can either be overcome by that or you can overcome that. On television, I noticed, and they've been doing this a lot lately, soldiers who fight for our freedom, they come home maimed and mangled. And many of these men in the military never, never are able to get over that. And some are pushed so far as to attempt suicide because they cannot face the truth. Overcoming the obstacles of circumstance. Things happening that just set us back and we can't get it out of our mind. And then there are obstacles of the world. (laughs) These are the obstacles John is talking about in our text. And it is in this area we're to learn to overcome the world. Now, what is it that we are to overcome? Number two. The answer is given to us three times in verses four and five. He that overcometh the world. He that overcometh the world. He that overcometh the world. It is the world that we must overcome. And that's what the subject is in John that he's speaking about. The Greek word is cosmos. And it is a Greek word that's translated several different ways. The Greeks used it in many different ways. Number one, they used it in reference to the created universe. Because of the adornment of it. The beauty of it. And most people would agree that is so. In Acts 17 verse 24, God that made the world, cosmos... And all things that are therein, God made the sun, he made the moon, he made the stars, he made the firmaments, he made the universe, and it is all, and it speaks of the glory of God, the world, the created universe, cosmos. We're not to overcome the material world. You're not going to change it. I said you're not going to change it. Well, what about climate control? Let me know how you're doing on that. Okay? Sometimes cosmos was used in reference to the entire human family. The people who live on planet earth. The world. The world of people. In John 8 verse 26. John said, I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the cosmos. I speak to the world. You see, the world has ears. I speak to the world those things which I've heard of him. We're certainly not to declare war on the inhabitants of planet Earth. This is not the world we are to overcome. 
But they also used it in reference to the evil system. The evil philosophy of the world. 1 John 5.19 We know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. God's people as they walk in light on planet earth are encompassed with a planet of evil. Evil philosophy. Cosmos in that sense. More specifically, 1 John 2, 5, 15 and 16, love not the world, not that world. Don't love this philosophical world, the evil system of the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he specifies it, number one is the lust of the flesh, number two is the lust of the eyes, and number three is the pride of life. Notice it is not of the Father, but of the world, the cosmos. This is the world that John, I believe, is speaking of in our text It is the world that provides the believer with many obstacles that have to be overcome if we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things that Satan hates, and that, number one, is he hates a believer who's growing in grace. He doesn't want that, and he'll throw as many obstacles as he can to stop you from growing. How the world attacks the believer. How the evil system we live in. And we do live in an evil system. How does the world attack the believer today? With its customs and habits. The habits of the world. The customs of the world. The direction the world is going. In Second Peter chapter 2 verse 19 While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. The world says everybody else is doing it. That's the reason you ought not to. If everybody else is doing it, I can assure you there's something wrong with it somewhere down along the line. Christians have a tendency to let the world develop his own habits and lifestyles. I want to dress like the world. I want to sing like the world. I want to look like the world. I want to smell like the world. Christians have a tendency to let down on that. Some try ever so hard to be like the world. Because of the customs and the habits, the fashions, the the styles of the world. (laughs) You know, there are some people that cannot stand alcoholic beverages. They just don't like them. And yet, they stay drunk all the time. You say, well, if they don't like it, why do they stay drunk? Because that's what the world does. It's called the man of distinction. 
He knows the wine to buy. He knows the beer to buy. Really, he ought to be called the man of extinction and not distinction. Smoking pot. Junk. Stupid. Why do we face that as a major problem today? Drugs of all kinds. And if that doesn't take the number one spot, immorality. I've never seen such a thrust on adultery and fornication and perverted sex. And I'm telling you, our people today are being bombarded with the obstacles of that. How does the world attack the believer? With its customs and with its habits. Second of all, it attacks the believer with disapproval. Disapproval. 1 John chapter 3 verse 13. Marvel not if the world hate you. Well, Brother Kozal, I just want everybody to love me. Forget it. That's not going to happen. With its disapproval. The world will call you a fanatic. The world will call you old-fashioned. I've been called a, a, a Bible thumper. I've never quite figured that one out, a Bible thumper. But it is said ludicrously to show my moronic personality that I'm just a dumb hick from North Carolina. And what you need to do is polish up your vocabulary and start standing on Sunday morning and telling the people how wonderful they are and how good things are going and my goodness how much I need a raise and you won't give it to me and good things like that. Marvel not if the world hate you. Let me tell you, Grace Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas has some enemies I'm here to tell you that. And they don't like what we preach. And they don't like what we believe. And they don't like what we teach. And that could be an obstacle if we let it. Not only does the world attack the believer with its custom and habits and with its disapproval. (laughs) As strange as it may seem, the world attacks the believer with its approval. In Luke six twenty six, beware when all men speak well of you. <laughs> when everybody just told me, boy, you're just about the best thing that God ever made. I mean, what? man, I'd like to be around you. I've never seen him do anything wrong. I've never seen him lose his temper. I, I just beware when the world speaks well of you. Mr. Spurgeon's right on target here. Christians are not so much in danger when they are persecuted as when they are admired. When we stand upon the pinnacle of popularity, we may well tremble and fear. It is not when we are hissed at and hooted that we have any cause to be alarmed. It is when we are bounced on the lap of fortune and nursed upon the knees of the people. It is when men speak well of us that woe is unto 
us. Number three, how are we to overcome the world? How are you going to overcome all of these obstacles? By the new birth. Christ said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And your new birth does not depend on anything you've ever done or ever will do. Any more than your physical birth depended on anything you did or did not do voluntarily. Whosoever is born of God. Whosoever is born of God. When the Holy Spirit quickens a dead sinner, that dead sinner all of a sudden begins to change. He lives with new desires and goals. He becomes a new creature. The world loses its attraction. Christ becomes the center of his being. You know what I wanted to be when I grew up? I wanted to be and have my own band, my own orchestra. And I wanted to be a part of that orchestra by playing the piano. And I worked on that piano for quite a while. And when I was a high school senior, was asked to participate in a talent for Roxborough, North Carolina. Would I participate in that, in that endeavor? To let people know that we had talented individuals among us. Well, I didn't win the first place, but I did win the second place. Who won the first place? A girl. (laughs) And she played classical music. Duh. Said, well, Brother Cozart, what did you play when you sat down at the piano? You really want to know? Caledonia. Caledonia. What makes your big head so hard? Walking with my baby, walking down the street. She's long, lean, and lanky, and ain't ain't had nothing to eat. But I love her because Caledonia is her name. And God said, "You're gonna preach." I've been preaching for 70 some years now, 77 years. I would never change anything other than what God did. But what am I saying? It is so typical for us to want to be somebody big and important and somebody that draws the crowds. The new birth changes all that. How are we to overcome the world? Not only by being born again, but by faith, trusting Christ daily, daily. Even our faith. John 16, 33. In the world you shall have tribulation. Let me repeat that. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Lord Jesus said that. We look to Christ for our strength and direction in life. When our disappointments are the greatest, we remember that he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. As I said to begin with, in this message, either you will overcome the obstacles of life, or the obstacles of life will overcome you. Victory is for overcomers only. Some who profess the name of Christ will never know this, for they're too busy rolling over and playing dead. I call them possum believers. But for the trusting believer, if we cannot go over the obstacles, we'll go through them by the help of God. And we will not quit. We will not give up. We will overcome. Overcoming the obstacles of life. I've saved a few minutes here, and I want to share with you, and I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Would you do that for me? 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Of course, we could spend quite a bit of time on the chapter, but I do need to read, and I want you to follow along. Uh, David is confronted with an obstacle. His name was Goliath. He was a giant Philistine. He was cursing the God of David. And David wanted to do something about it. And so in verse 38, Saul armed David with his armor. He put a helmet of brass on his head. He armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded the sword upon his armor and he essayed to go. That is, he didn't want to go because he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with you for I have not proved them. And David put them off. That is the the, 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 the sword and the breastplate of Saul himself. And David, verse 40, took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was just a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistines, Comest thou me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield? But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I'll smite you. I'll take your head from you. I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. I believe that David realized at that point he had an obstacle. 
a big obstacle in this giant Goliath. And then in verse 48, it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. David hasted. Watch this. I get so excited when I read verse 48. David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't run from the Philistine. He ran toward the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took thence a Philistine in his, pardon me, took a, a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. I like that part of it. When he fell, he didn't fall backwards. That is Goliath. He fell face down. In other words, God shut him up. He couldn't talk with his face in the mud, okay? He's the one that said, he cursed David by his gods. Verse 50, David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistines and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now that stone struck the Philistine in the forehead and killed him instantly and the Philistine fell dead. But David didn't have a sword. He had the sling. And David ran and stood upon the Philistines. I like this one too. David ran and stood upon the Philistines, took the sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head therewith, and cut him with his own sword. I like that. And stood on his body when he cut him. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead... They fled. Point being, we are not just conquerors, as Paul reminded the Roman Christians in that epistle. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. David wasn't just a conqueror. I want you to know he not only whipped that giant, he stood all over that giant, took the giant sword and cut his head off, and he wasn't through with that. He took the head and the hair of the head tightly in his hand and took it back to Saul and said, Here it is. Happy birthday. Huh? More! Huh? More than a conqueror. And yet you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, have the potential of being more than a conqueror through him that loved us. My dear sweet people, don't let the world and don't let the devil defeat you with obstacles. You overcome those obstacles by the grace of God and grow in grace and learn how to keep on keeping on until the Lord comes back. Let's stand, please, for prayer.